says, there is no requirement for performance in my presence. Just seek me. And the God that restores and redeems will do his work in your life. Some of you feel like you're in a time of delay, and that is true. But God is always perfect in his timing. He's always perfect in his timing. He's not absent. He's at work in you, preparing you for those things he has in store for you. So the Lord says, have faith and hold on to me. And this one thing that I ask of you, says God, is that you would seek me with all of your heart. For when you seek me, you shall find me. Lord, as a church, we want to be a people who seek you. To have the boldness to stand before your presence. To have the faith to draw on the reality of heaven and see our world changed. That we would be marked by the anointing and grace that comes from you in order that we would be a blessing to Te Aumuru, to Waipa and beyond. God, we thank you that you're with us this morning. The presence of the Holy Spirit, the grace of Jesus Christ, and the love of God our Father, rich and abundant as we dwell in community together. Oh, Lord, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you that you're with us. Binding us together in the covenant of Jesus Christ as family. We thank you for all your blessings to us. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Wow. Good morning. Welcome. I would say Happy New Year. This is my first Sunday with you here this year. I kind of uh, got to the end of 2017 and tripped over the finish line, uh, which was pretty ugly, to be honest. Uh, but the grazes on my chin have healed, and I've had a rest. And I'm looking forward to all that 2018 and beyond has to offer us as a church and a community. Uh, so what God was just saying there prophetically was that there's a new season, a spiritual season. And um, I um, encourage you to, to, to grasp or to reach out and discover what God has for you in this new season. Um, we're going to make um, pretty clear as church leadership what we believe God is saying and I urge you to keep up with messages, whether you're with us or not, you can access those by the app or um, online. Because the question is, well, where are we moving to? That would be a question. Um, and, and I suppose the answer to that would depend on your view, your perspective. Um, so this week we're going to sort of consider, I've been wrestling with this, this idea of, well, what's your view of 2018? Next week... We're going to share, well, what part are you going to play in the story? And give you the, uh, well, I wouldn't say a challenge, but it's a, it's a thought that I've got brewing. So that's next week. Uh, but I've found over many years of working with people, particularly as I lead people or coach people into fulfilling what their purposes in life, um, the beginning of year for some people is pretty daunting or pretty scary. 
They kind of get through Christmas and holidays and family and they go back to work or uh, turn over the calendar and go, well, I wonder what this year will bring. Or they will say something like, well, gee, I, I hope it's going to be a good year. Uh, some people not quite sure what's happening, so they said, well, well, we'll just we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see what happens. Now, those of you who know me well will recognize that that is definitely not part of my makeup or my personality. Uh, I love to look forward. I, I've shared with you um, that I have, we've got a theme for the year, our rhythm defines us, and I have a whiteboard mapping out messages and concepts that we want to impart and release and disciple you in this year. And I went looking for that. Uh, I had a, like a Holy Spirit planning session on my whiteboard tower work. And I went to look for that so I could do the roster for the year and map out what I'm doing. And I had to go back to September to find it on my phone. So in September last year, I'm planning 2018 and beyond. That's just the way I'm, I'm wired. Um, as a church, we, we spoke at the end of last year about our mission being activating community transformation and our vision looking to reach a thousand people a week with the message of Jesus Christ. And that's ambitious, it's audacious, and we don't know how we're going to do it, but we've mapped out some strategies for the next few steps and what that looks like. What we've been doing is we've been dreaming with God and asking Him to lead us into the future that we have with Him. So if you're like me, you've got this year all sorted out. Well, maybe it gets sorted out for you. But many, many people um, walk into a year and have no idea what to expect. And I don't say this in any way as a criticism or a judgment, but an invitation. Maybe you don't know what the year looks like. Maybe you're afraid. You know, there are people that don't like change. You don't have to put your hand up, but I'm sure many of you here don't like change change, and so you, you hold back um, and, and, and maybe don't step into the unknown. And it's also possible for some people that they're just generally heading in the wrong direction in life. Lack of guidance or lack of input. We've got some young people in our world, and, and whilst, whilst we can't tell them what to do, we can certainly try and turn them into the right direction for their lives. So whatever you're at, wherever you're at, perhaps Perhaps this picture might describe how you feel. Um, I'm not saying what you look like. I'm saying this might be what you feel like if you have a constrained or restricted view of your future pathway. Um, don't nudge your wife in any way. <laughs> but the good news is that God is not phased. God is not lost. God is not uncertain. God is not confused. He can take any mess and turn it into a message. He can take any test and turn it into a testimony. He can take where you're at and lead you so that you're not constrained, but walking forward. And the truth is, if you do feel lost, that is not a, a reason to go and hide again. It's a reason to seek God because God is a God who leads us. So I want to talk about that at the beginning of the year, and I've titled today's message Prophetical. And uh, when I first... Um, put this word down, it's because I found it in this book, which I'm going to refer to uh, today, and I thought it was kind of just old-fashioned and made up, but actually it's not. It's, it's actually a word. And the, the biblical meaning, as you can see on the screen, is prophetical means prophetic insight relating to a prophet. It's the biblical meaning, and we're going to look at some of that today. 
the way that I view prophetic message is it's a great way to um, catch a glimpse or seek after what God's heart is and see the world from His view of the possibilities for you. So God loves to reveal His heart through His Word um, for uh, an organization or for a nation or for people. And we will talk about that today. God has prophesied in the Bible over the nation of Israel and His future Israel many, many times. God has released His promises into individuals' lives, and we read all those stories in the Bible. And I, I guess if we had time, we could go and we could ask people and various people would share that, yes, I do feel like God has given me a message of promise at some point in my life. I also like to um, call this concept dreaming with God. Because what I've discovered is God works with us in partnership. He's not distant. He's not disconnected. He never leaves us outside of his process. He draws us, invites us into that process that we would be partners with him and what he dreams of for us. He's, he's not a magician. Um, he's not disconnected, and he's certainly not a controlling or dominating parent. He's a living, loving father who loves to journey with his children that their lives would be revealed and in doing so, their lives would reveal their heavenly Father. And that all comes when we dream with God. And like any good father, God's delight is in our discovery. You know, um, I, I imagine God like this excited father waiting, you know, like a parent would wait for a child to unwrap a Christmas present on Christmas morning. The parent knows what's in the box because they wrapped it. The child doesn't know, but the child's got excitement because there's a, a sense of a gift from a loving father. Well, those of you who are parents know, when your child unwraps gifts, you're just as excited, sometimes more. That's what God is like. So in thinking about the promises of God, it's good to think about the nature of God. Because if we have a correct view of God, then we can really look to seek His promises in a great way. And the first one on the screen is God is always good. And He wants to demonstrate His goodness to us and through us. Take Abraham, for instance. I mean, there's a whole lot of people you could, if you're taking notes or um, listening, you can write these down, but study these people and what they went through. Abraham in Genesis um, 12 onwards, but if you look at the beginning of Genesis 15, God's like, well, God, you know, you're a bit slow. Abraham's like, God, you're slow on this. And God says, oi, come with me outside and look at the stars. In the beginning of Genesis 15, God says, count the stars if you can, that's how many descendants you'll have. And Abraham suddenly realized, oh God, your promises are true, and I choose to believe them. You are good, and you're not restricted by my circumstances. I believe that God inhabits the dreams of his people, and by his Holy Spirit releases what's on his heart into our world, that we would begin to imagine what could be possible with him. I believe that's how he works. So don't disregard the nighttime and the dreams that God shows you or the imaginations and the longings of your heart. Second thing you can see on the screen there is God is always active in leading us. Two scriptures particularly that encourage me, Isaiah 55 verse 10 and 11. God says through Isaiah, the rain and snow come down from heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer 
and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out, and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. God is not disconnected from our lives and hoping we work it out. He's engaged. If you read the beginning of Jeremiah, the Jeremiah the prophet is, is new at this game, and he's not sure, and he's like, God, can I really count on you because I'm putting myself out on a limb here? And God says in the beginning of Jeremiah, what do you see, Jeremiah? Jeremiah goes, well, actually, I just see an almond branch. And God says, ah, in verse 12 of Jeremiah 1, the Lord says, that's right. And it means I'm watching, and I'll carry out all my plans. See, in the Hebrew language, the word for almond and the word for watching are kind of sounding the same. So God's playing a rhyming game with Jeremiah. And what he's doing is he's saying, I'm always there and I'm connected to what's going on in your life. So we have to understand that God is good. And we have to understand that God is alert and active and watching and engaged in our process. He wants to lead us into that place. Thirdly, God invites us to participate. I'd, I'd love to take a week to unpack this with you, uh, but I, I, I'm not going to. But what I love about this concept of participation is that God would use people like me, people like you, in order that those promises would be revealed to those around you. He uses the unqualified, the unprepared, he uses the broken, he uses the needy, he uses those without resources to bless those that need resource. God invites us to participate. With regard to prophetic, what I want you to understand is that when God releases a prophetical message, it has power in it. And the best example that I can give you of that is Adam in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. God, you believe God made the earth and all that we see in creation? You can participate here. It's a good thing to believe. And when God made the heavens and the earth, God spoke and it was created. And God said, let us separate the water from the land and call that sky, and it happened. And then God said, let us put a light in the sky in the day and a different light at night, and it happened. And God said, spoke, and the fish swam through the oceans. And then God said, let us make mankind in our image. And he formed Adam out of the dust and breathed his spirit, the Ruah of God, into man and said, you are our son. And then he said, well, Adam, you're not going to sit around on your lounge chair, so let's get to work and let's create the world you're going to live in. And it says in Genesis 2 that God called Adam to name the animals. He brought them to the man, all the animals and the birds of the sky. He brought them, this is verse 19 of Genesis chapter 2. And he brought them to the man, Adam, to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to the livestock and the birds of the sky and the wild animals. See, God calls us in to participate. And I believe when Adam spoke the name of the creature, it spoke the character of the creature and it was formed in that way. So he spoke a lot. Well, he didn't speak English, so we, I don't know what the original language was, but he spoke and a lion was formed as a dominant master of the forest. 
full of strength and having a voice that would create fear in anyone that heard it roar. God spoke to the monkey, and Adam called him a monkey and sent him off as a cheeky thief. Now, there's no biblical evidence in Genesis chapter 2 of this, but there's plenty of evidence in the history of the Hebrew people. See, when God says there's no helper for Adam, he creates a woman from the rib in the life of Adam, and Adam looks at her and gets pretty excited. And then he says, I shall call her woman because she came from the man. And the nature of woman was revealed and released by the prophetic utterance of Adam. God does the same thing all through the history of the Bible. He takes Abraham and calls him Abraham because he's put his spirit in him. He changes the name of Jacob to Israel. Jesus sees Simon and says, you shall be Peter. And on this rock in Revelation, I'll build my ecclesia, the church. And, and through that, Jesus releases a new identity and a new spiritual character for the man who was Simon, who is now called Peter. And interestingly enough, Jesus also does that when he knocks Saul off his donkey. So there's no evidence in Genesis chapter 2, but what I'm proposing to you is that the prophetic utterance that comes out of our mouth has creative power to create the world around us in partnership with the Spirit of God. Prophetical ministry is partnering with God to change our world, and that is what excites me so much about it. The good news for you is that you get to participate in that. It's not just the guy at the front that does that. It's not just the ministry team with the badge that says prayer on it that gets to do that. We all get to do that. We're invited to do that. God calls us all into that partnership with Him. The very first thing that you, I would encourage you to do if you're going to walk down this path instead of um, staying where you are is to ask God this question. Write this down and put it in your journal. Take it away for your quiet time. God, what do you want me to see for 2018 and beyond from your perspective? Never ever judge God by your circumstances. Instead, judge your circumstances by God. Don't look at the world through a cat door and think, oh, this is all I got. God, what do you see? What is your revelation? What is your promise for me? And how can I walk with you into that? And that's where we're going to land the, the service today. I, I do want to say a couple of things because prophetical ministry is... Is, is kind of two sides of a coin. There's a, a corporate side to it, and there's a personal side to it. And I, I'd, I'd want to refer to the corporate side because as a gathering of a, of a, of a family, it actually has an impact on us as a, as a church. So the first side is corporate, and let's just look at the formation of the church. Let me say this statement to you. The church has always been founded on prophetic inspiration, which is accepted by faith. The church has always been founded on prophetic inspiration, which is accepted by faith. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2 as a letter to the church in Ephesus and to us as disciples of Jesus Christ. He says, together we're the house of Jesus Christ, the house of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, and the cornerstone is Jesus. 
What Paul is saying and what we've learned from studying this in context of church history and other writings is that there's a, a release that comes by prophetical ministry that establishes a church that we build on. Jesus is the cornerstone. It all hinges on who he is, the man who redeems us and calls us into a relationship with God. And it's Jesus that connects us and binds us in covenant with God as our Father. But it's founded on the prophetical release, the word of God that comes, that's accepted by faith. A great example, biblical example, is, happens in Acts chapter 10 and 11. If you want to read that story, it's um, the man called Peter who um, has an experience. But before Peter has the experience, there's a Roman officer called Cornelius. So the clue that he's a Roman officer tells you he's not a Jew. He's not one of the chosen people of God. And he has this trance or this dream, and, and it's like, well, you need to call the apostle Peter from the church that you're not part of. And he's bold enough to actually do it, to send a servant and to bring him. The servant comes to Peter, who's a Jew, a good Christian man, and, and he says, well, actually, that's not the way we were raised. We do not dine with, with, with Gentiles, with non-Jews. We certainly don't want to be part of them. They're not part of the church. They're not God's chosen people. And God puts Peter in a trance and shows him a vision. And the result of that vision is a prophetical release from God where the apostle Peter suddenly goes, oh, maybe I should do what God said. And so he goes to the house of Cornelius and he shares about Jesus and Cornelius and his entire household, all his servants and family, believe in Jesus as the Son of God and suddenly they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And Peter goes, oh, I didn't plan this. Well, Peter can't make the Holy Spirit turn up. Holy Spirit is the one who releases the grace and the anointing and the gifts to people. And Peter goes, well, God, I suppose if you're happy, then I'm happy. And he goes back to the church government, the council, and he says, guys, guys, I just had lunch with a whole lot of gentles and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they prayed in tongues and God's saying that they're part of his purpose for the church and that we should embrace them in. Well, you guys should be really grateful for that. Because if that didn't happen, you wouldn't be here and you wouldn't be connected in this way with Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Read the story, Acts chapter 11, 10 and 11. Paul gets the same deal in Acts 13. He suddenly has this revelation that, oh, maybe God has got a bigger plan than what we were trained in, in the ways of the Jews. And at the end of Acts 13, verse 47, Paul writes, says this, The Lord gave us this command when he says, I have made you a light to the Gentiles to bring salvation to the farthest corners of the earth. Ironically, he's quoting the Old Testament. God already said he had a plan to bring the Gentiles in. So it's just a fresh look at what God had already said and was written in the Scriptures. What you might find is that God's already spoken to you. He's already got his promises in his word and around you, and you've just got to, by revelation of the Holy Spirit and by prophetical ministry, step into that place of agreement. What's my point? Prophetical ministry shapes the church. It's shaping who we are in a corporate way. And as leaders, we take that really seriously. Last year, I shared with you, inside our mission of activating community transformation, this vision that's scary that we're going to impact a 1,000 people a week with the message of Jesus Christ, 
And I shared different strategies that we're going to adopt to do that through how we gather together as family, through using different media channels to reach far beyond the, the walls that keep the heat in, uh, and, 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 and developing people and discipling them in the ways of Jesus and, and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And, and to do that, we've got to grow our leadership capacity so that we've got a broader foundation to lead people. Those are our strategies. Now, we don't just make that up. We search the heart of God and we ask the Holy Spirit to lead us in those. So the formation of our church is being founded on what God has said. I got given this book for Christmas. It's a very, very special gift um, because one, uh, unlike Kathy who has the love language of Christmas, my love language is books. More than that, this book is a historical book. It's not a new edition. It's yellow smells like a library, and it's a short history of the Apostolic Church, written in 1955, covering the first 40 years of our denomination as it was birthed in Wales, with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and I've been reading it and studying it, and, and I'm, I'm loving it because it's revealing what's in our DNA, and so as we journey this year, I'm going to unpack little snippets out of this as we go. But um, I've found a couple of quotes on pages I've put in here that I'll read you. The Holy Spirit had implanted in the hearts of the members of churches that believed in apostles and prophets a deep desire and longing for the church on earth today to be fully revealed as in the book of Acts and in being fulfilled. God began to speak prophetical ministry through the prophets about his divine plan for the church, which is his body, and soon it became clear that it was God's plan to restore the church to its former glory. And it goes on to talk about signs and wonders, miracles, and an outpouring of Holy Spirit that changed people from the inside out and drew them in to faith in Jesus Christ. It's really exciting to read. It's like it's not like a storybook. It's got a lot of detail in it, but the gold in it I'm finding invaluable for us as a church. So I'm excited, but it should make you excited. But what it says is, Acts Church New Zealand, which is part of the apostolic church of the world, was founded on prophetical ministry and what God was doing. This church right here, North End Church, which used to be 30 years ago called Rosetown Community Church, was founded by Pastor Brian Tamaki, based on what God said to him in 1983. And his book here, um, Pastor Andrew Vossen gave me this uh, autobiography, Brian Tamaki, and I've been uh, rereading it to catch what did God say to him that means that we're now here. It's part of our history. Brian and his girlfriend Hannah ended up at Tūranga Waiwai Marae in Narawahia at an apostolic conference, not wanting to go, got transformed by Jesus and his love for them that they said, that's it, we've got we to do this. We're surrendering our lives. Gave their lives and faith to Jesus and his leadership. And as a result of that, they got married. They moved to Tokoroa with um, other family and became part of the apostolic church there, discipled by leaders, influencing their community, Fano and, and, and where he worked in the forests. One day, Brian writes this, I'd often reflect back on my pre-Christian days and marvel at the miracle of God and how a life could so radic 
be so radically transformed. He's a bit of a rough boy, could say that. One day I was sitting in my office thinking along these lines when I was abruptly interrupted by a voice in the back of my head which said, I want you to plant a church. Now, I know this had to be God because firstly, the idea hadn't remotely occurred to me. And secondly, I didn't have the slightest idea how to do that. I did know, however, that this would require Hannah and I and our family to move to a new town where there wasn't already an apostolic church. And as you read that story, what you understand is that they met with elders and prophetic ministry, and, and then they decided to move back to their hometown of Taumudu here. In 1985, they rented the St. John's Ambulance Hall, and he stood on a box and preached the message of Jesus for the first time. The church was birthed in Taumudu here, this church, and went on from there. Funnily enough, I was telling Richard the other day, the rent for the, church, for the hall that they, they used was $15 a week. And their marketing budget was $30 a week. Funny, eh? But that's the founding of this church based on what God said. And a man going, you know what? I received that by faith. I'm going to act on it. God has promises for us to step into. And let me say this very carefully so that you catch it. God has promises for every one of you. It's not favoritism for the elect few. It's you. Every one of you, God has promises for you. Second aspect of prophetical ministry is the personal side to it. You should be concerned, and by that I don't mean worried, but you should be intently focused on understanding what God's personal promise is for you. Seeking after Him in order that you would hear what He says. God's plans are for His goodness to be demonstrated in you and through you. For me personally... Um, 2009 was a year that I spent seeking God, searching for answers in a place of confusion, and darkness, and what I thought was isolation and abandonment. And you've got to understand that one of the ways God speaks to us is through Scripture. So, two types of word from God. One is Logos, the written word of God. The other is Rima the fresh Word of God. So that's how God speaks to us, both in partnership. So I'm praying, God, help me in 2009. And in my reading, so catch this, it wasn't just an instant answer. In my regular discipline of reading the Scripture, God spoke to me from Deuteronomy chapter 8 when I'm whining about my life. God says this, Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. You ever had butterflies when you know God's talking to you? Well, guess what happened right here? Yes, God says, I humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food that you did not previously know. I did this, God said to me, scriptures, I did it to teach you that you do not live by bread alone, rather you live by every word that comes out from the mouth of God. And I sat back and I went, God just spoke to me. So I keep walking with God. And in, that, in my prayers, that's the Logos word. God gives me a Rima word. He says, Phil, I'm going to repurpose you. Saul has repurposed to Paul. Many examples I could give you. God says, I'm repurposing you now. I want you to go and teach people about me. Well, that sounds like hard work. 
And in my regular reading, God took me to Romans chapter 10. Verse 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Well, that's good, I knew that, that's me. For it's believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it's by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. Everyone should be saying amen to that. As the scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Thank the Lord for that. Jew and Gentile are the same, they have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's a word for someone here this morning. Verse 14, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can someone hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? And I sat back in my chair and I looked at the ceiling and I went, huh, I'm being sent. And the journey that flowed out of that revelation, the prophetical ministry that God imparted to me is why well, I'm here. This is part of that story. This is part of that journey. The prophetical ministry of God through his scriptures and through my relationship with him has led me on a completely different path than the beginning of my career. So I had three things to do at that time. Put myself before God to see his hand at work in my life. I had to have faith that what he said was true. Well, that's a tough one. And I had to wait to see the fruit come as he was faithful to his word. See, God has a promise for every single one of us. God has a plan and he has goodness to release. Sure, there might be obstacles, but God wants to work through that with you. If I could get the band to come and join me, we're going to do, do a song again. We're going to do the song, Do It Again, again. And it might be new for some of you. If it is and you don't know the words, just allow the music and the team to minister to you. But here's why I've asked them to do the song again. I believe this song is a prophetic prayer for you to seek God if you're lost or you're not sure what this year looks like. I encourage you to read the story again and, um, and make sure that you understand what it is about you that God wants to release in his promise. So ask God that question. If I could just get the slide back up here, um, the last one, because I want to make pe sure people have got this. Let me just give you the last one. Ask God this question. Ask God, what is it that you want me to see in 2018 and beyond? I was going to tell you the story of Hannah in the Bible young wife with a broken heart, teased and ridiculed by her family. And she takes herself out of the feast and she goes into the house of God and she humbles herself before God in prayer, pouring out her desire to be effective and used by Him. And through the prophet Eli, the priest of the house, a promise of God was released, and you know what? She had faith to believe it. What was impossible became possible because of God and His work in partnership with her faith. So we're going to sing the song. I'll get you to stand. We're going to sing the song together, and I want you to sing it as a prayer. I don't know where you're at, whether you're 
excited about the year or whether you're lost and confused. It doesn't matter. I, I, when I sing this song, I'm clear about where we're going, but I'm asking God to move the mountain. Because only God can move mountains. So surrender yourself before God, and He will lift you up. Let's sing together.